Merry Christmas to you. I love this season because I love the Lord. And I know that you, those of you who love the Lord, you know what I'm talking about. But it's such a busy time. It's so easy to get caught up in all the other things that we think Christmas is about and miss it. Whether you're buying a big present or a little present, you can get all caught up in that. I want to tell you a story about somebody I think was a little bit caught up in uh, all of the stuff of Christmas. He happened to be a golfer and he was in the, in, at the country club in the locker room, had just finished a round of golf with some of his buddies. And they were in there and this cell phone rang. And he was just about to grab his coat and go out the door. And nobody picked up the phone. He picked it up. There's a woman's voice on the other line. Honey, is that you? I'm at the mall. I want to ask you a couple of questions. Are you at the club? And he hesitated a minute. He goes, uh, yeah, I'm at the club. She said, listen, I found this fantastic fur coat. Listen now, it was $8,000. It's marked down $61.99. That's a deal. Don't you think I should get it? He said, well... Yeah, why don't you go ahead and get it? Merry Christmas. She said, oh, that's wonderful. I thought you'd be upset. Now, and listen, I, and I saw this fantastic car. It's, it's one of the most beautiful I've ever seen. Remember we talked about that Mercedes? It's $85,000. That's a deal. He said, oh, that sounds too much to me. Tell you what, you start at 75, don't go above 79. And if they'll give it to you for 79, go for it. Oh, this is wonderful. She said, I just thought you'd be upset. And he said, oh, I'm not, I'm not upset at all. She said, nah, there's one other thing I want to ask you. I hesitate to bring it up. He said, oh, no, go ahead. She said, listen, that house we were looking at, it's back on the market. 2.3. Do you hear me? 2.3. He said, well, that sounds like too much to me. I tell you what. Start at 1.75. Do not go above 2.0. And if you can get it for 2.0, go ahead and put an offer down. She said, are you serious? Oh, my goodness. This is going to be the greatest Christmas ever. Thank you so much. Okay, I'm going to take care of all this stuff. All right, I got to go. Bye. I love you. And he said, uh, you too. He hung up the phone, grabbed his coat, went to the door, and he turned around and said to the guys, does anybody know whose cell phone this is? <laughs> Like that old TV show character used to say, surprise, surprise. Somebody's going to come home to a surprise. Now, there are people who are blessed. They can buy a car or a fur coat, maybe even a house for Christmas, maybe. And some of us, we're buying a, a shirt or a sweater or something like that. But if we get caught up in it, it doesn't matter the size or the amount. We get all caught up in this. We will miss the cross. And this is what Christmas is all about. That's why the word Christ is in it. It's all about Jesus Christ. Christ coming to this earth to save us, to bring peace, because he is, as we'll see in this passage, we're going to look at in Isaiah, he is the prince of peace. And he came to this earth that doesn't have a whole lot of peace in it. Amen? Come on with me to Isaiah 9. This is a prophecy, so that's where we're going to the Old Testament. Isaiah 9, and we're going to begin with verse 1. <clears throat> We'll read 1 through 7, Isaiah 9. Read with me 1 through 7. And please stand with me as we seek to honor the Word of God by standing. And we read our main passage, Isaiah 9. <clears throat> 1 through 7, and I'm reading from the New King James Version of the Word of God. Please follow along. Nevertheless, the gloom will not be upon her who is distressed when at first he lightly esteemed the land of Zebulun in the land of Naphtali and afterward more heavily. 
oppressed her by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan in Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death upon them, a light has shined. You have multiplied the nation and increased its joy. They rejoice before you according to the joy of harvest as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For you have broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor as in the day of Midian. For every warrior's sandal from the noisy battle and garments rolled in blood will be used for burning and fuel of fire. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. You may have your seats. May God bless the reading and hearing of his word. And from this passage, I want to draw the subject, Jesus Christ, if we could put the subject on the screen, Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace. That's our subject. Let's say that together. Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace. And truly he is. Let's have a word of prayer. Oh, Lord God, we thank you that you love us enough that you came to this earth. You, Lord Jesus, are the prince of peace. We have confusion and we have war and we have violence and we have weapons and we have brokenness. But, Lord, you came as the prince of peace. We pray, Lord, that we would operate with peace and love people with peace and mostly that we would respond to you by loving you enough to have peace with you. We give you praise and honor and glory for who you are. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. It is amazing to me when Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus came to this earth, writes with the beautiful clarity that only the Holy Spirit can give him. He begins talking about a land that if you uh, aren't familiar with the Old Testament, and even if you are, may not seem like anything you recognize, Zebulun and Naphtali, but he's talking about an area that we would call Galilee, where Jesus would begin his ministry. And Isaiah prophesies that here's a land that back in his time was looked down upon. In the time of Jesus, it would be looked down upon, but one day that land would be lifted up because the great light of Jesus would come to that same land. And it's interesting that Isaiah says it's Galilee of the Gentiles. That's important because he's he's writing from the Jewish mindset and no one would expect something great to come to an area where you see a lot of people who don't know the Lord. That's the way they would look at it. The Gentiles, the people who aren't Jewish. But what he's saying through the agency of the Holy Spirit is this place is going to be blessed. And it's not just for the Jewish people. It's for the Gentile people as well. That's the Old Testament way of saying the good news of Jesus. Hear me now is for everybody. 
Today, we wouldn't say Jew and Gentile. Today, we would say Latino and African-American and white and Asian-American and Pacific Islander and Middle Eastern and all every single race. That's what we would say today. And this land was looked down upon in Isaiah's day. And then it was looked down upon later, but the good news of the gospel came there and the prophecy of Isaiah was fulfilled. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Come with me briefly. Stay in. You can keep your finger in Isaiah. Come on with me to the first book of the New Testament, which is Matthew, Matthew 4. And look how this prophecy is fulfilled. Matthew 4, we're beginning with verse 12. Look now, Matthew 12, uh, 4 Look at verse 12. He talks about this prophecy. This is when Jesus came to earth. Now, when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he departed to Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea in the regions of Zebulun and Naphtali. Sound familiar? Now listen, Capernaum, by the way, was Jesus' headquarters. And throughout his ministry, as far as we know, that's, that's where his headquarters were. Now look now, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, and that's our passage. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. Galilee of the Gentiles. And again, every race. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And upon those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. Matthew said that this was the prophecy that was being fulfilled. And isn't it interesting that Jesus again comes to this place? Let me put it like this. Where somebody looked just like you. I don't care what your race I don't care what your background. I don't care if you're two and three and four and five races together. Somebody looked just like you. Somebody looked just like your mom. Somebody looked just like your dad and your children if you have children. Because he made sure that the gospel came there. That's the beauty of the light coming to this part of the world is that that light is for everybody. Yes, they were sinful as we are, but the Lord Jesus Christ came into that part of the world and brought light. Now come on back with me to Isaiah 9 and look at verse 2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death upon them, a light has shined. What's so exciting to me is God says, I'm bringing the light to you. And he says it, listen now, in the past tense. 700 years before this, Isaiah's prophesying, and by the agency of the Holy Spirit, he says, the light's already shined. It's already done because there's only one being in the universe who can talk about something that's going to happen 700 and something years in the future. And he can put it in the past tense because it's done. The Holy Spirit didn't have Isaiah. He could have had Isaiah say the light will shine in this land where there are Gentiles and Jews, people of all race. He could have said, it's going to happen, but I love how God said it. God said, no, the light, they have seen a great light. The light has already shined because when God says it's going to happen, it's done because he's in charge of this universe. Amen? He is sovereign. And so the light has already shown, and that's what's so beautiful about Jesus coming because this world is dark. Just read your newspaper. Just go on the internet. Just talk to your friends. Just look at all the crazy stuff happening. This is a dark world, but Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, comes into this planet, comes into this world, and he lights it up. And that's point number one. 
Point number one, the Prince of Peace lights up this world. That's point number one. Let's say that together. The Prince of Peace lights up this world. And oh, he does. That's what Christmas is all about. The Prince of Peace coming to light up this world. You will not ever see me talk about Christmas and leave out the Christ and draw an X. Other people can do that. That's fine. No, I'm not taking Christ out of Christmas. There's no way in the world. This is all about Jesus Christ coming into this earth. I was driving down Highway 101 this time a couple years ago, and I saw this billboard. Now, most billboards are just, they're neutral. There's nothing to them. Some are creative. Some are really stupid. Some are annoying. Some are disturbing every now and then. Oh, my goodness. They put that on a billboard? Have they lost their mind? This one made me smile, brought me joy. So I'm driving down 101 and I see this billboard and here's what it said. It's okay to say Merry Christmas. Jesus loves you and so do we! Exclamation point. And then the name of the church, River of Life Christian Church. You may know somebody who goes there. It's okay to say Merry Christmas. Jesus loves you and so do we. So I'm driving with my left hand. I'm pumping my fist with my right hand going, praise God for River of Life. Because that's the message that you want everybody to hear. Of course, not just at Christmas. Anytime, Jesus Christ loves you. And by the way, if you haven't caught that so far, whoever you are, wherever you're from, however tall or short or whatever, Jesus Christ loves you. Personally. Personally. Every member of your family, every person on this planet, Jesus Christ loves you. That's the Lord coming into this earth and bringing us light. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. He lights up this world. And part of his light is to help us know how in our relationships to be people of peace. Because there isn't, at least in my mind, there isn't a whole lot of peace on this planet today. Amen. And he shows us that in the next few verses where Isaiah 9, look with me at verse 3. <clears throat> Isaiah 9, look at verse 3. He starts off talking about people rejoicing over the Messiah. Uh, you have multiplied the nation and increased its joy. But then he talks about how our planet is. They rejoice before you according to the joy of harvest as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. Now look at verse 4. For you've broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, as in the day of Midian. For every warrior's sandal... From the noisy battle and the garments rolled in blood will be used for burning and fuel of fire. All these images come from war. I've never been in battle myself. But I'm told by soldiers when you're in battle, there is terrible noise. There are explosions. And sometimes people screaming and sometimes people dying. It is awful. There's the noise of battle. I've never experienced it except one time. It wasn't battle. But I, I lived in... Uh, uh, part of a, a big city here. I'm not going to name it, but it's a large city in the Bay Area. And I happened to be there when person number one was mad with person number two. And so person number one started shooting. And I had never seen that before in my life. He started shooting and everybody hit the ground and I was standing there going. I can't believe he shot at that guy. Could have been hurt. I wasn't. By the way, it hit a, hit a, a metal telephone pole and the bullet bounced off. So it was really a dangerous thing to do. But I was so shocked. 
But the noise, the noise of battle and, and the fact that we need military boots and tanks and all of this other stuff, in a way, what I see God saying here is, now definitely Jesus is coming back one day and he's going to establish his kingdom and there will be peace. We'll talk about that in the future. But here's something I hear God saying. Isn't it sad we've got the noise of battle today? Isn't it sad we've got oppression today? Isn't it sad we've got all this violence today? Isn't it sad that because of wars, we need boots and uniforms and all that stuff. Sometimes, sometimes they have blood on them because of war. Isn't it sad? Wouldn't it be better if there were more peace? That's part of what I see God saying to us. We ought to be people, especially if we love God. We ought to be people who try to talk to people and walk in a way that shows the peace that we know from the Prince of Peace. Amen. And God asks us to do that. He won't force us, but he asks us. And that's point number two today. Point number two. The Prince of Peace offers peace on earth. The Prince of Peace offers peace on earth. Let's say that together. The Prince of Peace offers peace on earth. Here's what I mean. He is looking at us and saying, Marcus, isn't there a way that you can be more peaceful in this particular relationship? Young man, isn't there a more peaceful way to handle that? Young lady, was that the most peaceful way to deal with that situation? How could you have found a way to show more peace? Do you hear what I'm saying? Because this isn't the time when Jesus is coming back. One day he'll come back, we'll talk about that. But for now, we need to be people of peace. Because look at this planet. War. Rumors of war. Violence. Terrorism. Just recently, there was a, a, a terrorist attacker, it looked like one to me, in Australia. Several people were killed. The police did what they could, the SWAT unit did what they could, and still people died. You hear about people getting shot in a movie theater. All these things are happening. And what's sad is it gets to the point where you turn on the news and you expect something bad. Amen? I know some people who won't watch the news. Because they're tired of all the bad news. That's the kind of world we live in. We need the Prince of Peace to show us how to be people of peace. Sadly, over the last few years, we've had these, these situations where you have a police officer and a young person and somehow this person ends up dead and it's just breaking everybody's heart. And I think it's, I think it's good that people are grieving over that and sad. And I, I, I affirm those who just shake their head and say, what was going on? How did this happen? What's going on with this person? What's going on with this peace officer? How did this happen? How did this person die? That's great. Here's what saddens me. I hear some extremists. I'm not talking about those folks who have legitimate protests like, you know, the ball players who put on the shirt and said, I can't breathe, you know, or the St. Louis Rams who came in, came down the tunnel with their hands up that they're saying, this is, this is bothering me. I don't think this is good. I'm talking to there. I've heard some folks say some nasty stuff, some hateful stuff on from different perspectives. I've heard some, their perspectives, you know, those people are so bad. They're such a mess. You never want to give them a gun or a badge because all of them are Wish we didn't have a lot of them around. What do you think God thinks of that? He made all seven billion of us, amen? And I hear some other people. I'm talking about the extremists now. Oh, those people over there, they're just so, you know, I mean, hey, you know, if one of them dies, it's no big, because, you know, hey, it's, it had it coming. I just wish there weren't a lot of them around. Now, those are the extremists. God, hear me, he calls us to peace. 
I'm looking forward to the day when he comes back and he reigns for a thousand years. We'll talk about that soon. And people won't be talking like that. Nobody will. Nobody will. There won't be this hatefulness, this viciousness. We will recognize that God made all of us on this earth and we ought to love one another. We ought to care about one another, no matter what our background, no matter what our color, no matter where we're from, no matter what our job is. And we ought to be people of peace. Because this is what honors the Prince of Peace. There won't be any terrorism in that day. But today, we need to be thinking, how can we be people of peace? Let me, I'm going to challenge you and challenge myself. I believe the Prince of Peace is calling some of us. We can think of one relationship. I want to make it more personal. One relationship where we could be more peaceful. As I was studying for this message, the Lord brought to mind a relationship where I had a choice between something peaceful and something that felt okay for me. Something really selfish. And for a while, I was choosing this selfish thing, and God was saying, is that the way of peace? Is that the, way, is that the peaceful way to handle that? And I'm telling you, I was convicted. And I know I'm going to handle things differently from now. I want to challenge you. Is there one relationship, one person, family member, friend, maybe even somebody you don't get along with, where you know there's a way that you can show peace toward this person, kindness, and you haven't, or you're waiting to, or you think the timing isn't right? Would you ask God to show you how you can be a person of peace? That's my challenge to you. Because the Prince of Peace wants us. He offers peace. He's not going to force us, but he'll say, don't you think there's a more peaceful way? Let me offer this to you. And when the Lord Jesus Christ offers something to us, we ought to take it. Amen. I want to say something that's not directly in the passage, but is on my heart. This is the Christmas season. And I don't think there are very few people, very many people out there who don't have a relative, mom, dad, aunt, uncle, somebody who's passed away and you miss them. I'll show you how God has met my wife and me in this season. When we first met, <clears throat> we were courting. We were talking about something one day. And I shared with her, I said, you know, December 20th, by the way, that was yesterday. I shared this with the Saturday night at ALCF crowd. December 20th, that's my dad's birthday. And she looked at me. She said, are you serious? Do you know that December 20th is the day that my dad went home to be with the Lord? Her dad died when she was young, seven, eight years old. My dad died when I was in my 30s. But God allowed us to come together as a couple and, and walk through that and pray for one another and encourage one another and grieve together every December 20th. He has a way of meeting us in our time of pain and ache. Amen. And I want to encourage you, if you're one of the many, many, many people who's saying, I miss this person or I miss that, whether they have passed or, as Pastor John said so beautifully by the Holy Spirit, if they're ill, if they're very sick, call out to the Prince of Peace. And you know what's great about God? He will meet you. He will wrap his arms around you and he can give you peace that nobody else can give you. I encourage you, reach out to him because he is the God of love and that's why he came to this earth to show us how much he loves us. Amen? Look now at Isaiah 9. Look at verse 6. If you're someone who loves Handel's Messiah as I do, you know this. Many of you know it word for word. You don't even have to look down here at the Bible. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name will be called Wonderful. Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince 
of peace. How beautiful this is. This is the beauty of Jesus Christ coming into this crazy, messed up, sick world with hardly any peace, coming in as the Prince of Peace. And that brings us to point number three. Let's put point number three up on the screen, please. The Prince of Peace is born. Hallelujah. Point number three. The Prince of Peace is born. Hallelujah. Let's say that together. The Prince of Peace is born. Hallelujah. And I love what Isaiah says. He says, for unto us a child is born. By the way, that's in the past tense. It's done. He's doing it again. The Holy Spirit is speaking hundreds of years before Jesus saying the child's already been born because I, God, I'm going to come as the Messiah and it shall be done. So it's already done. A child is born. A son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulders. I love this. And he does it, by the way, poetically in the original Hebrew. It says the one who would be born is born. The, the original Hebrew has a poetic flavor. It sounds like this. It says, ki yeled yulad. You hear that? God, it's even beautiful the way he writes the Holy Spirit. He makes it poetic. He makes it beautiful. The one who would be born is born. It's already done. I've given this son because I'm here to save souls. I think back to the day that God saved me. It reminded me of uh, that time when I was talking with someone right here in the fellowship hall. In the last week or two, we had a funeral. I was talking with a, a gentleman who was just curious about faith, curious about God and, and, and what it means to, to follow Christ. And I said to him something that shocked him, but I wanted him to hear what I was saying. I said, there are two of us at this table. There's only one that I'm sure has ever committed the sin of witchcraft. You should have seen the look on his face. I said, I'm that guy. If anybody deserves to burn in hell, since all of life is about worship, a guy who worshiped the devil... Forget the murderers, forget the crazy terrorists, all that other, forget all this other stuff. If anybody deserves to burn in hell, I do. But Jesus saved me when I was 13 years old. And I put the Ouija board down and all that other nonsense. And I'm following Jesus. He washed me clean. He saved my soul. And if Jesus can save me, young man, he can save you. And he looked at me like some of y'all, you got to be kidding me. Yeah, but isn't it wonderful that unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. That's why he came to save us from our sins. He's the prince of peace. He's the Lord of lords. He's the king of kings. And the beautiful thing is not only does he save, but he's coming back one day. And when he comes back, oh, praise God. There's going to be phenomenal, amazing peace on this planet. Who's coming back? The one who's the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. The Bible says he's the wonderful counselor. Now, some would say those are two titles. He's wonderful and he's the counselor. And if you listen to Handel's Messiah, that's the way you, you think of wonderful counselor. But think of it this way. Say amen if you believe God is wonderful. Amen. And say amen if you think he's the great counselor, knows everything. Amen. So certainly he's the wonderful counselor. Amen. Yeah. So it really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether it's wonderful counselor or wonderful counselor. He's the wonderful counselor. What separates him from earthly kings is earthly kings need counsel. Amen. And I don't think just the Republicans need to say amen. Everybody can say amen. Because when we get a Republican president in there, that man's going to need counsel too. And if we ever get an independent, that person will need counsel. 
If we get a woman, she will need counsel. If we get a really tall or a short president, that person will need counsel. Because they're going to need a cabinet. They're going to need a, 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 a science advisor, a national security advisor. God doesn't need advice from anybody, not even me. And not even you. He's the wonderful counselor. Do you hear me? You never see Jesus with the Messiah. As the Messiah talking to the disciples going, now I'm Messiah, but... Uh, what do you think we should do? How do we get more people to follow? No, he's God. He's the wonderful counselor. He knows everything. He's the mighty God. He has all power in his hands. And yet he stoops down to show us how much he loves us by being born into this planet. He's the mighty God. He's the everlasting father, loving dad, caring dad, not like the kings of old, but a caring king. He is the one who looks out for us. He is the servant leader the everlasting father and he is the prince of peace this is the one who's coming back one day hallelujah he is coming back i praise god and that's point number four the prince of peace shall return that's point number four the prince of peace shall return let's say that together the Prince of Peace shall return. I don't know about you, but I cannot wait for the day when Jesus returns to earth and he crushes sin and he crushes unrighteousness and he squashes rebellion and violence and hatred and he establishes his kingdom. I believe the Bible says that the Lord's coming back and he's going to establish a 1,000 year reign on earth. Now some people think that's just uh, an analogy. I don't think so. I think when the Bible says 1,000, I don't think it means 20 or 27 and a half or 99 or 999 or 5,000. It means a thousand year reign. And the Bible says he's going to come back and he will change this whole world. That's still in the future. There will not be the violence and ugliness that we see today. As he said earlier in Isaiah, he said that the boots that they use, the uniforms that they use for, for battle, you can burn them for fuel. You won't need them because when the Lord comes back and he reigns for those thousand years, this will not be a violent planet. Do you know he even says the animals will change during that thousand year reign? We're in Isaiah 9. Come with me to Isaiah 11 quickly. Isaiah 11. Look what happens to the animals. But with righteousness, he, and if you have a new King James, it will be capitalized because we're talking about the Messiah. He shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. No more oppression. Thank you, Jesus. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips. He shall slay the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his loins and faithfulness the belt of his waist. That's the idea of God who literally puts on righteousness like under armor and faithfulness like a belt. Instead of being a, a warrior God, he's bringing peace. Now look at six. The wolf also shall lie down with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the young goat, the calf and the young lion and the farthing together and a little child shall lead them. Can you imagine wolves? Peaceful. Lions, peaceful, predatory animals, all peaceful, and children hanging out with lions, not even scared, not even bothered, saying to the lion, come on, let's play. Let's have a great time. God is coming back, and when he comes back, even the lions will change. But what's beautiful and more amazing is that not the lions will change, but you and I will change. This earth will change. Nations will change. We won't even have the violence that we think of as legitimate. Nation one fighting nation two over a border or whatever. 
What's going to happen is there will be no war. There will be no need for military uniforms. We won't have guns. We won't need them. We won't need bombs. We won't need tanks. We won't need knives. No one will be killing people. There won't even be people shooting each other because they don't like each other. No more shootings. No more terrorism. No more war. No more wife beating. No more child abuse. No more elder abuse. No more violence of any kind. No more viciousness, no more murder, no more homicide. Even accidental death is probably going to dissipate because God will be here. The Prince of Peace will come back and he shall reign for a thousand years. And there won't be any murder. There won't be any killing. We will take the weapons and throw them away because the Prince of Peace will return and he will make this place a place of peace for a thousand years. The devil will be smashed the devil will be stepped on the Bible says he will not get to run around this planet and for a thousand years the Prince of Peace shall reign and this planet will be different can you imagine no violence no killing no terrorism no one being beaten up because the Prince of Peace is reigning oh I look forward to that day how could we not love the Lord who came to this earth, offers us peace, came to save us, and one day is going to come back and make this place, this place with its sickness and its violence and its hatred, this place a place of peace for 1,000 years. I want to ask you a question. I wonder if you know this prince of peace. Would you stand with me? Our passage tells us, unto us a child is born, unto us the Son is given. Because God the Father gave us God the Son. And in one of the most beautiful passages in the Bible, the Word of God says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. I wonder if you have that eternal life, if you have a personal relationship with the Prince of Peace. It's a simple thing. You admit that nobody can save you but Jesus. That's the A. The R, spells art, is that you repent of your sins. God, forgive me. And the T is that you say, Lord, I'm trusting that you really did die on that cross for me and you really did rise again because you're the Lord. You're the Prince of Peace. You're God. And I want to follow you. Admit you need him. Repent of your sins. Trust him as Savior. And he will make you brand new. I want to give you the opportunity, if you've never asked Jesus to be the head of your life, to come forward and say, I need Christ.